I'll invite you now to open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. If you're using the Pew Bible, you can find them on page 980. When we first began our study of Paul's letter to the Philippians a couple of months ago, I shared with you some of the key themes that are present in this letter. Some of those key themes were things such as partnership. Partnership in life and partnership in the gospel. Partnership in ministry. And unity and joy and humility and other-centeredness. Progressing in the faith growing in maturity and completing that which has begun in you. These are all themes that Paul touches on throughout the course of this letter. And we're going to see many of these same themes be present in the passage that we look at today. Today we're going to focus our attention on verses 19 through 30 of chapter 2 of Philippians. But to help us to have a proper understanding of the context of the letter. I'm going to begin reading in verse 27 of chapter 1, and then we'll actually read all of chapter 2. Let's turn our attention now again to the reading of God's holy, living, and inerrant word. Verse 27 of chapter 1, Paul writes, saying, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, So that whether I come and see you or in absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And now chapter 2, verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others as being more significant than yourselves. Each of you are to look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be poured out, that I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering 
upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be generally concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will also come. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow, fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is God's word for you today. The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. Please pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for your enduring word. And Lord, we pray that you would pour your spirit out upon us again today so that we might rightly understand and apply this portion of your word. Lord, would you do that, please, for our good and for your glory. Amen. So what's going on here? In these last couple paragraphs of Philippians 2, you know, at, at first glance it may seem that this, this passage is primarily focused, primarily centered upon Paul's travel plans, along with the travel plans of some of his companions. He talks about how I hope to send Timothy. I'm going to send Epaphroditus to you now. And I hope to come to you soon. Is that really the main point of this passage? No, it's, it's really not. Now it's true we do learn those things, but there's more going on than that. In verses 1-11 through 11 of chapter 2, Paul speaks about the example of Jesus to us, of other-focused, joyful humility. And in verses 19-30, through 30, Paul presents these two other servant leaders, these two men who we understand are already known to the Philippians, and he presents these two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, to the Philippians as other Christ-like models of other-focused humility. Let's look first at the example of Timothy. Paul says in verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him 
who will be generally concerned for your welfare. For they all, meaning all others uh, in, in Paul's company it seems, they all seem to seek their own interest and not those of Jesus Christ. But Paul goes on to say, But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself may also come. You'll remember that Paul is in jail in Rome Rome as he writes this letter, and that's why he's not able to come right now to the Philippians. In these first verses of chapter 2, Paul speaks of how Christ is our great model of what it looks like to not look after one's own interests but to also look at the interest of others. And here, beginning in verse 19, Paul presents Timothy to the Philippians as another example of that. He says in verse 20 that Timothy is genuinely concerned for the Philippians' welfare. Paul says all others seek only their own interest. But Timothy, Timothy's different. Timothy's Christ-like in this regard of his being concerned for others, including the Philippians. Paul says that, that that the Philippians know Timothy's proven worth. For more than a decade, Timothy has been Paul's closest companion and partner in the gospel. And he's become well known as such to the churches throughout Asia, including in Philippi. Paul says that Timothy is like a son to him. I wonder, to whom are you like a son or a daughter in the faith? To whom are you like a father or a mother in the faith to? Timothy's character is proven So many others claim to have the interest of others at heart, but so often they don't stand the test of time. But not Timothy. Timothy's character has been tested. He's been proven to be trustworthy and faithful. Paul says that Timothy's genuinely concerned for their welfare. Others, Paul says, seek their own interest and not the interest of Christ. But again, not Timothy. Timothy serves the interests of others. And he serves the interests of Christ in others. This leads us to the question, what are these interests of Christ that Paul says that Timothy serves? Well, of course, there are a great many. Let's consider a couple of those. If you still have your Bible open, look at chapter 1 and verse 8. There Paul says, I learn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul yearns for the Philippians. That's an expression of affection. And so one of the answers to the question of what are the interests of Christ is that the Philippians are among the interests of Christ. Now, what else are some of the interests of Christ? 
Well, look at, look at Paul's prayer to the Philippians in verse 9 of chapter 1. He says, And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. That's an interest of Christ for His people too. That they, that we, would be filled with the fruit of righteousness. What's the interest of Christ? Verse 6 of chapter 1. That He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You're, you're growing in righteousness and Christ-likeness. Those are some of the interests of Jesus. And those same things should be the interest of every godly servant leader as well. And they certainly are for Timothy. And because of that, Paul commends Timothy to them. He also commends to them the example of Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, another of Paul's precious partners in the gospel, also exemplifies Christ-like, selfless, other-focused, humble servanthood that Paul's hoping to see be birthed also among the Philippians and indeed among all Christians, including you and I as well. Epaphroditus was one of the Philippians. If you look at chapter 4, verse 18, you'll see that Epaphroditus was the messenger, the deliverer whom the Philippians had sent to Paul to encourage Paul and to minister to his needs while he was imprisoned in Rome. And now Paul is sending Epaphroditus back to Philippi along with this letter. And as Paul returns Epaphroditus back to them, he commends him to them again. And notice how Paul speaks of him. Look at verse 25. Paul calls him my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my needs. And Epaphroditus was so dedicated to Paul and so dedicated to the gospel that he was willing even to die for the gospel and to die in service to Paul. Look at verse 30. He nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. You know, we tend to not want to be burdened. Perhaps we're willing to be burdened if there's something in it for us. But Epaphroditus was willing to be burdened and to put his life at risk even in order to serve others, in order to serve the gospel. Here I think of the words Jesus who says, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The Christian is called to selfless, other-focused, sacrificial living. How might the Lord be calling you to be willing to put yourself at risk in selfless, sacrificial living for the sake of others and for the cause of Christ?
And before we move on from talking about Timothy and Epaphroditus, let's not fail to make an observation. If not for the life-changing experience of coming to new life in Jesus Christ, Paul never would have had anything to do with men such as Timothy and Epaphroditus. Timothy was a half-breed. His mother was a Jew, but his father was a Greek. And Paul would have looked down upon such a person during his life in Judaism. And Epaphroditus was a Greek, a Gentile. And Gentiles were despised by Jews and even considered unclean. A Jew, for instance, wouldn't even share a meal with a Gentile. But now, because each of the three of them, having been brought into union with Christ through shared faith in Him, they've been made to be brothers, partners in life, partners in ministry, co-heirs of God in Christ. For as Paul says in Galatians 3.28, In Christ there is now neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, nor male or female, but you are now all one in Christ Jesus. The gospel of Jesus Christ has the ability to break down walls and barriers between people groups. And for that reason, we can be infinitely concerned for brothers and sisters in Christ in Afghanistan or in Iraq, Iran, Syria. I wonder, is there some area in your life or my life where we need for the Lord Jesus and the gospel to break down barriers between us and another person? Especially barriers that might exist between a brother or sister in Christ. So in this passage, Paul gives to us the examples of selfless, other-focused servant leaders of Timothy and Epaphroditus. Let's not forget the example of Paul either. In verse 17 of chapter 3, Paul will say, Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Paul's spoken about how Timothy has the interest of others in mind and how Epaphroditus has risked his life for the sake of the gospel. Well, we remember that Paul has done very much the same thing throughout his days of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I already mentioned, as he writes this letter, he's in jail in Rome, awaiting trial for proclaiming the name of Jesus throughout the Roman Empire, facing possibly even the sentence of death. In verse... um, In verse 17 of chapter 2, Paul says that even if it cost him his life, even if his life is to be poured out like a drink offering onto the altar as a sacrifice 
to the Lord is offered and, and is then rapidly evaporate, evaporated in the flames, that if even that's the case and his life will be lost for the cause of Christ for the Philippians, even if that were to happen, he would still count that all as a gain and that he would be glad and rejoice in his life and service if that would advance the faith of the Philippians in the cause of Christ. And don't miss this demonstration of Paul's willingness to count others as being more important than himself. He's already told his readers about how helpful Timothy and Epaphroditus are to him. But selflessly, he's willing to send them to the Philippians so that they might be a help to to them. Rather than to keep these helpful servants to himself to minister to him, instead, he is sending them to the Philippians so that they might be a blessing to them. Humble, other-focused, selfless, sacrificial, loving servant leaders like these friends are God's good gift to His church. And oh, how I hope that you have people like this in your life. I know that's what I long to be for you. I want you to know what it's like to be loved well. I want you to know what it's like to be well served by a faithful pastor who walks through the joys and the sorrows of life with you. Oh, how I long for you to be able to say, for your sake and not for mine, speaking of your pastor, I have no one else like him in my life who's concerned for my interests so much more than his own. That's my desire for you. And I trust that that's also your elders' desires and your deacons' desire for you as well to serve you in that way. Officers of the church are given to you. They're given to the church as a blessing to serve you and to bear your burdens with you and to help you grow in your faith. And how thankful I am that we have people like this in our congregation who display this God-honoring, other-focused servanthood among us. People like Joan, who's been playing the piano for us for 50 years or whatever it might be. Sorry, 25 years, because you wouldn't be able to have played for 50 years. Servants like Andrea and the Piper family who come every weekend to clean the church for us. Servants like Karen Sider, who's served us as treasurer for many years and helps us with the books here at church. Servants like Betsy and Pat and their commitment to VBS. Servants like Carol, who's faithful with the card ministry. Whenever you receive a birthday card from Newport Church, friends, you receive that from Carol because she loves you. I think even a servant such as Dan, who every Saturday morning, an hour before men's breakfast, is here early along with Rich making breakfast for us. Amy, Gavin, Linda, Esther, so many others serving you with their gifts, blessing you. We're all to be ministers like this. Ephesians 4 tells us that God gives to the church 
the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry and for the building up of the body of Christ into the unity of the faith to full maturity in Christ. So we are all to serve. We are all to minister among our brothers and sisters in Christ in these kinds of ways. Now, how else might we apply these things in this passage today? Well, look at verse 29 of chapter 2. What's the proper response to these other focused servants? Verse 29, receive those who labor among you, honor them, encourage them, seek to relieve their burdens, Service to the Lord and to the Lord's people is wonderful, but it can also be difficult. It can also be heartbreaking. Receive the ministry that those who seek to serve you offer you. Heed the admonitions that your elders give you, knowing that they have your your best interest in mind. Honor them. Honor those who serve among you. Now, maybe that means telling someone who has ministered to you previously how much you appreciate them. And so if you were here during the ministry of Billy and Debbie Dempsey, maybe one way that you can, you can apply this passage is by sending Billy and Debbie a note telling how much you appreciate them even still. Rob's dad served this congregation faithfully for many years as well. A way that you can honor Rob's father's service is by thanking Rob or by sending a note to Gloria perhaps as well, expressing appreciation for their family service to Newport Church. Maybe it's sending a note to one of Rob's siblings in the same way. Another way that you can honor Rob's father's service is by telling stories. Share with Ben and Josh and Lucy a way that Rob's father blessed you during his time here at Newport. Most of us have lost touch with John Algar, sadly, so it's hard for us to be able to thank him for his past service to us. But maybe we could reach out to Melody and thank her because she too faithfully labored for us here at Newport. We can remember Nathan and Carolyn and Grace and maybe send them a note and pray for them. Now, how else should we respond? Well, we should all seek to serve others in a similar way, not just watching the examples of others and receiving ministry from them, but also offering ministry to them and to others as well. We should seek to grow in humility That's what this greater portion of chapter 2 is about largely. And that we all should apply ourselves to not looking out only for our own interests, but also the interest of others. We can all seek to be sacrificial and loving towards others. We can seek to grow in faithfulness. Timothy and Epaphroditus are examples. They're models of faithful men. They were faithful to Paul. They were faithful to the Lord. We too are called in a similar way to be faithful. We need to apply ourselves to the spiritual disciplines. We need to seek to abide in Christ and to seek to see the spiritual fruit of faithfulness be produced in our lives. 
We're to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Independence upon the Lord and upon the Spirit's producing the spiritual fruit of love. We seek to love others well in return. Give yourselves in the service of others. Love others in tangible ways. How can you serve the Lord and others here at Newport Church? We have many opportunities that you can do that, and I invite you to speak to one of the elders or to Bob, our deacon. We've got a bulletin board out in the North X that, that tells us a number of ways that you can serve here at Newport. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Call them. Send them notes of encouragement. Ask how you might be able to serve them and then do that for them out of love. We can encourage our missionaries. We've got contact information for our missionaries and we can send them a note of encouragement or a gift. Now how else should we respond? We'll look at verse 18 again of chapter 2. We should rejoice. We should rejoice in the Lord. We should be thankful for every spiritual blessing that is ours in Christ Jesus. So we've considered the example of Timothy. We've considered the example of Epaphroditus. And we've considered the example of Paul. Friends, let's not also forget the example of the Lord Jesus. Matthew 20, 28 and Mark 10, 45, the words of Jesus. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And of course, Jesus didn't just risk his life, as we're told Epaphroditus has, but Jesus gave up his life. He is the one who is truly other-focused. He is the one who truly has your best interest at heart. And as we're told in Hebrews 12 too, as he did this, he counted it all a joy. Hebrews 12 too, let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus' love for you was so great that he even counted it a joy to go to the cross to pay the penalty for your sin so that you might know newness of life through faith in him and be reconciled with the Father in heaven. In our passage today, Paul told the Philippians to receive these men who Paul was sending to serve them and to honor them. Well, I say to you today, receive the Lord. Honor the Lord. It would be wrong to not appreciate and to honor the other focused service of Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus. How much more wrong is it for you and I if we do not appreciate and to honor the other focused service of the Lord Jesus Christ? Paul referred to himself as being poured out like a drink offering. Well, Jesus was poured out like a drink offering. His blood spilling onto the ground. His blood poured out for the remission of sin. 
His blood poured out for the remission of your sin if you would but receive Him in faith. Paul and his companions risked their lives for the sake of the others and for for the sake of the gospel. But Jesus gave His life. He gave His life for yours. Though He was in the form of God, He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking on the very form of a servant. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. How do we rightly apply this passage? We bow our knee before the Lord Jesus Christ. And every tongue confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How do we rightly apply this passage? We confess with our tongue that the Lord Jesus Christ is our only hope for salvation and the Lord over all things, the Lord over the church, the Lord over all creation, and I pray also the Lord of your life and mine. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we worship you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there is no hope in heaven outside of you. Lord, we thank you for faithful men and women who have served us over the years. Lord, may we not just be recipients, but may we also be responders. Show us, Lord, how each of us can also serve others for the sake of the gospel. We can do that as a mother or a father, leading a devotion in our home at bedtime with our young children. We can do that as a teenage brother or sister in Christ encouraging another teenage brother and sister in Christ um, to not... To not give ourselves over to the ways of the world, but to give ourselves all the more to Jesus. We can serve one another by doing tangible acts of service here around Newport Church or or in in our body. Lord, we can also serve you elsewhere. I think of the way that Gavin and Alay serve and honor you in their ministry at Young Life. Lord, we thank You for Your good gift of other-focused, humble servant leaders. Jesus, that describes You ultimately. And in Your Word, You promise that You are recreating us into Your image. Lord, how we look forward to You completing that which has begun in us. Lord, grow in us the fruit of righteousness. Drive out unrighteousness from our life. Be our all in all. Move in our hearts to receive you and your work and to honor you always with the way in which we respond to your word and to who you are and to what you have done for us. Make your spirit be great in us, Lord, so that spiritual fruit might be produced in us, so that we might rightly honor you always and serve others 
and serve your gospel purposes. We pray this in your most holy name. Amen.